0: You're listening to The OddsCast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA odds maker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. Oddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to The OddsCast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts odds maker, Nick Kalikas of Circa Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Fight Island 5 event, which takes place on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Fight Island 5 features a 13 fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a flyweight contest between Tagir Ulinbekov, who is and 12-1, and Bruno Silva, who is 10-5-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: A quick note here before we get started. The opening betting odds that I will be quoting are from MMAodsbreaker.com. our opening betting odds reactions from race versus via Adam Martin, he's the author of that article that we do post on mmiasberger.com so make sure you guys check that out. And the updated betting odds that I will be referring or quoting will be from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. So that's the updated odds and again the opening odds are from mmiasberger.com. Getting into the first fight, Ulan Beckoff open minus 455, the comeback on Silva at plus 355. And right now the current price over at Circa Sports is Ulenbekov minus 455 the comeback on Silva at plus 365. So again, line margins have tightened up a little bit, 10 cents on the dog for us at Circa, uh, 10 cents better I should say and there has been two-way action Bruno Silva getting some dog action early on and now we're starting to see some action back on Ulan Beckoff at the price as well so this should be a great fight I think Silva is definitely a talented capable fighter I think he's a threat on the feet because he has a little bit of knockout power he has a very good offensive ground game as well so this isn't going to be an easy fight for Ulan Beckoff. but I do think Ulan Beckoff is the better overall fighter really excited to see him officially make his UFC debut here. I mean, the sky's the limit for him, to be honest with you. I think this guy's a very capable, talented fighter in all aspects of the game. Um, and again, I'm just really looking forward to seeing him get in here and showcase what he can do, because I think on the feet, uh, he's kind of a work in progress. He's slowly getting more confident, slowly, but he puts everything together well, like as far as MMA goes. This, his skill set is a complete MMA fighter where he can kind of use the, his stand-up to close the gap, look for some wrestling, and, and then dominate on the ground when he can as well. So a very complete fighter, and I think he will make a deep run. So my pick is Ulenbekov. I think it's a favorite or pass you're in this spot. Um, but at the current line, obviously, you got to kind of respect it and, and be cautious. So I wouldn't necessarily go um, and play this at the price. It has been out for a little while, and it's staying steady. I think wine's line's about right. Uh, but I just necessarily would not bet Silva here either at the dog price. So for me, I'm going to pick Ulenbekov. I think he delivers here, and he gets it done.
0: You almost have to feel for Bruno Silva. And the guy's not that bad, but so far he's gone 0-2 in the UFC, dropping a, a fight to Taha at UFC 243, and most recently uh losing to David Dvorak. Um, and now they're throwing him in there against one of the better up-and-coming prospects in the flyweight division in the world. Um, and Ula Bekov is really good. Uh, this kid is, I, I feel like, a very skilled wrestler, a good Grappler. Um Silva does have some jujitsu, but Ulanbekov is such a strong wrestler. I think that he's just gonna completely dominate him on the on the canvas. And while Ulanbekov isn't the best striker in the world, I think that he is good enough, has a decent has length, has a good jab. I think uh Silva can get flustered on the feet as well. Um I just see Ulan Bekov, unless he gets caught in something um, I think Ulan Bekov just completely controls this fight and either dominates to a unanimous decision or maybe even finds a, a finish along the way. Uh, I really think the sky's the limit with this kid, and you will be talking about him for a while. Um, I expect him to have a really impressive UFC debut here. And again, Silva, in in my opinion, is going to drop to 0-3 in the UFC. Now, moving up to the women's Bantamweight division, we have Tracy Cortez, who is seven and 7-1, taking on Stephanie Egger, who is five and 5-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA Oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
1: Cortez opened at minus 305 to comeback on Egger, plus 225. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Cortez down to minus 185 to comeback in on Egger, plus 160. So the dog price goes from plus 225 down to plus 160. And I think that's right as far as the drop in line. I think the opening betting odds were set a bit high, especially stylistically the Matt here. Egger might not be... A very well-known name amongst the common MMA fans. The diehards probably the dug deep and did the research, obviously came in here and bet her because of the, again, stylistic matchup. She's a very good judo practitioner, obviously, world-class there. She's got good takedown game, ability to dominate on the own gets it there. I mean, she looks really good. And she has the ability to improve fight-by-fight. You can see she's getting more comfortable on the feet, has a little bit of power there as well. So she's a threat to Cortez in this spot. I mean, specifically in her ground capabilities, no doubt. But Cortez, I think, is the better, more-rounded fighter. I think Cortez can have success on the feet. I think her wrestling's good enough probably to keep this fight upright in most cases. And I think she's just better right now at this point of her career as far as the, her, the total package or overall MMA game is better than Egger. So I do lean Cortez in this fight. But again, I mean, pricing is everything. And the people that came in on Egger plus 225, I get it. I mean, the line is a, definitely a lot more realistic now at plus 160 where it could be because Egger does have that path to victory. If she gets Cortez down on the ground and she's capable of kind of utilizing her gameplay and her path to victory is there. I mean, she could look for a finish on the ground or she could be able to grind uh, Cortez out. Again, I don't think it probably plays out that way as easy as most people would like, especially if you did come in on the dog early on, but that being said, it is a path to victory. So you have to respect it. So my pick though, is going to be Cortez. Again, I just think she's simply the better mixed martial arts at this point, but I don't blame you guys for coming in the dog early on.
0: And I like Cortez as well. You know, Egger is talented um, You know, she has that judo background, having defeated Ronda Rousey in judo, um, and she's done pretty well so far in uh, MMA, going 5-1, and one. but looking over at her skills, they're just not quite to the level that Cortez's are at. Uh, Cortez is definitely the better striker. Uh, Cortez is, uh, in my opinion, the better uh, wrestler um, and does have a decent wrestling background. Egger is going to need to close the distance. And unless Cortez gets sloppy, I think that, uh, uh, Egger is going to have a little bit too much, uh, to deal with here. Cortez is the better striker and should be able to stay at distance and kind of pick Egger apart. Uh, Egger has made some strides, but she's just not to the point that Cortez is at right now, in my opinion. So I just think... That Cortez picks apart Egger over the course of three rounds and unless she gets caught and put in a bad position on the ground, um, I think Cortez just outpoints her and wins a decision. So my pick is going to be Cortez. Now moving up to the featherweight division, we have Giga Chikadze who is 10 and 2 taking on Omar Morales who is 10 and 0. Now Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Morales opened minus 135, the comeback on Shikadze at plus 115. And right now over Circus Sports, Morales is minus 160, the comeback on Shikadze at plus 140. Has been a lot of action on this fight. Back and forth we go. I mean, early on, obviously it was bet up Morales and now action coming back in as we get closer to fight time on Shikadze. And now the day before the fight, we see action back on Morales as well. So as we get closer to fight, more action coming to fight than any other prelim fight, at least on this card, for sure, in most places. I think this is just such a high-level, fantastic fight. Morales, first of all, is dropping down a weight class, which is interesting, honestly, because I thought he was a beast uh, at 155. So at 145, it's going to be interesting to see. It seems like the weight cut went well for him, but that's kind of making me scratch my head a little bit here as Chikadze. Um, I think physically now matches up pretty well with him. Um, I mean, with the weight cut and the way they faced off or whatnot, Chikadze has a little bit of length on Morales. He's not going to be out-muscled all that much, either Is the stronger overall fighter. Um, so there's a lot to like about both these guys in this spot here. I think Chikazi is a very technical striker, obviously having the kickboxing background, but Morales is known for his striking, and obviously he's got a good kickboxing background in his own right. So this is a striker versus striker matchup, a high-level striker versus striker matchup uh, to the point where this fight is going to be fireworks. Early on, I was leaning more towards Morales. I'm going to stick to him as far as the pick goes, but I do think it's a dog or pass situation depending on the odds here in this spot because as we get closer to fight time, I think that Chikaze can not probably keep this fight up and have success on the feet because I think he's a little bit more technical um, than Morales. Maybe not have the one-punch knockout power Morales does, but I think he is the better overall striker in this spot. Now again, Morales will have his moments and it's a very fine line between these two on the feet for sure. But I I do think Shikazi does have a little advantage on the feet. I just want to lean a little bit more towards Morales because if he has to, I think he may be able to get a takedown or two along the way. Won't be easy, but if he can, that might be the difference in the fight. So I'm expecting a very competitive fight back and forth here, um, but I will slightly lean towards Morales. But in this spot, I wouldn't lay the chalk here. And again, I've been a Morales fan. He's made me money Um as of late too. I mean, so this guy, I know what he's capable of and I'm a believer in Morales. I just think that this is a tough spot to bet here against Chikadze. So the pick is Morales, but be careful if you're betting this one.
0: And I'm going to come in the other way. Um, the one thing I'm concerned about with Chikadze is that he's looked good in the UFC so far, but he also has been pretty untested uh he's been in there against some decent fighters in the division not the best and morales is a t- very talented guy i mean this guy it has had success in the lightweight division and he is dropping down so i really think that morales has a lot to offer here but uh morales is going to be doing exactly what uh Chikadze wants him to do, basically, if the, the way you look at it. Um, this guy uh, in Morales, he's a stand-up fighter for the most part, and Chikadze comes from an elite kickboxing background. Um, Morales may have a little bit more uh, power, but Chikadze is the better technical striker. So even though Morales has had some lightweight division and is dropping a weight class, I still think Chikadze is going to be the better fighter here. Um, I put... Uh, uh personally, I think that uh, Chikadze is going to outpoint Morales over the course of three rounds and win a decision. Uh I don't think it'll be sexy, but I just view him as the better fighter here. So I'm going to side with Chikadze. I think he wins a decision. I think it's going to be really close, but I like Chikadze. Now, jumping down to the Bantamweight division, we have... Ali Alcasey, who is eight and four, taking on Tony Kelly, who is six and two. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one?
1: Al Casey opened minus one thirty, Kelly plus one ten. And right now over at Circus Sports, we have Kelly at minus two oh five, the comeback on Al Casey at plus one seventy-seven. So well, obviously a bad opener. I mean the line favoring Al Casey here. In this spot, not good. Kelly is definitely the better overall fighter. I think he has a significant edge on the feet. Al Casey has a little bit of power you need to worry about, but Kelly will definitely pick him apart and light him up on the feet pretty well. Well, I think if any advantages at all for Al Casey and why you could even make him a favorite, it would be the ground game. I mean, his wrestling his Background of getting the fight to the to the ground, his grappling ability. I mean, that's the kind of fighter Casey is. He's a grinder. He wants to come in, slug in, like I said, close that gap, get you to the ground, and then utilize his ground game there. And if Kelly has any kryptonite to his game, he's got decent defense, and he's got the ability to scramble back up fairly quickly. But it is getting taken down and controlled by better ground fighters. So that's Casey's path to victory. So he does have one. So I can understand, I guess, in this spot why Kelly maybe got underappreciated. But overall, man, I mean, if you guys listen to the podcast, you have a respect for Kelly. I think he's a really underrated fighter um, and improving all the time. And now that he's gotten kind of back on track and he's fighting more often, thankfully, I mean, because he had, again, gaps between fights there for a while. I think he's going to find some momentum and get on a roll here and show his ability and capabilities here. So I do think he he beats L Casey. I mean, if you guys got plus 110 all the way up to minus 200, man, what great value for sure but as the price currently is right now but kelly minus 200 or more i think you have to kind of stay away from it though because okc does have that path to victory so uh, especially for those looking to bet this fight at this point I, I think you have to stay away you you missed out you know you missed the boat so to speak Gets a dog or pass situation probably where the line is right now but i still think kelly wins picks him apart maybe even finishes him on the feet because that's how good he can be if he shows up here and fights his fight. So I'm going to pick Kelly to win. Just expect the pricing in this bout as we speak.
0: Yeah, I really thought Al Casey was going to show more in his UFC debut, but he was just too tentative and ended up uh, getting losing a decision to Irwin Rivera, a guy that I just really don't think is very UFC caliber. Um, now, uh, with Kelly, he came in and came in off a long break and I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, Kelly is, uh, you know, they won fight of the night in that fight, uh, at UFC 252. Uh, and now he's dropping down a weight class. I think as long as Kelly stays aggressive with that same mentality that earned him the, the fight of the night, I think he's going to be in a pretty decent position. Um, this guy is uh, aggressive. He's powerful. He pushes a good pace and he does have some ground game and the ability to get up uh if taken down. So uh even though uh he did get taken down by Kamaka, he uh, he did work his back up. So for me, as long as Kelly doesn't slow down too much on the feet uh or as this fight goes on if the the weight cut gets to him, I think Kelly just outworks out Casey. Like he had really limited offense in that debut. And I really was not that impressed. Al Casey's path to victory here is repeated takedowns and keeping Kelly down. And I just don't think he can do it. I see Kelly uh walking away with a decision from uh just outworking Al Casey. So Kelly will be my pick. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Impa Kassengaini, who is and 8-0, taking on Joaquin Buckley, who is and 10-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Casting Annie open minus two forty five. The comeback on Buckley at plus one eighty five. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is minus two forty five on Casting Annie. The comeback on Buck two ten. So there has been two way action on this fight. It bounced up and down a little bit, but staying fairly steady around two and a half to one or so. Another difficult one because I, I think Buckley probably will continue to get disrespected. This guy has a pretty good game overall. I mean, I, I think he's a very talented striker. He's got power on the feet. He's got decent takedown defense in most cases as well. And just a very dangerous fighter that you have to respect despite coming out and showing in his UFC debut, you know, suffering a loss or whatnot. I, I really think that people have to look at him closer before he got to the UFC and appreciate what he's capable of doing. And on the feet, you got, like I said, you got to respect this guy. He's a fun fighter to watch. So I like Buckley here. Um, overall, I think he's a very solid fighter. And he's going to be a test to Kotsangani for sure. There's no question about it. But all that said, Kassengeni has been phenomenal, man. I mean, you could see he's lost still. He's developing his overall game. But, I mean, for me, it's almost real time. Like, he's getting better fight-by-fight fight in the highest level of the sport in the UFC. So it's amazing to see that. I think his last couple fights, in all honesty, have been... Almost, uh, you know, training sessions, sort of speak, not to, you know, disrespect his you know opponent on the contender series or in his UFC uh, debut against Patolo. But to me, that's kind of what it felt like. He's learning in real time and he's improving right in front of our eyes. So there's a lot to like about Kassenghadeh. He's got power in the feet, technical striking that's getting better. He's got wrestling to back that up as well. Uh, I mean, he's cardio is getting better. He's durable. He's showing a lot to me personally. And I think there's a lot of people that are kind of getting on board his hype train as well. So a lot to like him casting this is a very difficult spot though, because again, you add Rick Buckley and especially at the price, you know, this is definitely going to be one of the harder fights of casting career. So that's why you have to respect the number here as well, but I am going to pick him to win. I like what I see from him. I think this should be an awesome fight, but I'm going to lean a little bit more towards casting just be careful if you're going to lay the chalk here against Buckley.
0: And I'm going to side with uh, Kassengaini as well. Buckley is powerful and dangerous, but Kassengaini is uh, really, really interesting. I mean, this guy has come a long way. He's well-rounded. He mixes in takedowns. Uh, he's pretty talented on the feet as well. I think he can actually hold his own on the feet with a dangerous striker in Buckley. So uh, overall, I really like him in this fight. Uh, I think... Uh, Cassangani is going to mix in takedowns. I think he's going to outwork Buckley on the feet. You also have to remember, uh, you know, Buckley, he is coming off of a, you he looked pretty good in that debut. Uh, he did end up getting finished and, uh, Cassangani is the type of fighter that is just getting better every single time we see him. I really think this guy has the potential to be really good. So I'm going to side with, uh, Castenguini here, I think he probably wins a decision and uh, the takedowns are going to definitely be the difference here. Now, moving all the way up to the heavyweight division, we have Rodrigo Nascimento, who is 8-0, taking on Chris Daukus, who is and 9-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
1: Nacimento open 310 to come back on Dacus at plus 260. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Nacimento minus 2.5 to come back on Dacus at plus 225. So market-wide action coming in on Dacus early on. I mean, he obviously had a very impressive UFC debut, but he's facing a different beast and different level of competition here against Nacimento. I really like what I see from Nacimento. I know that he's got, I think, higher level of competition to kind of face before we, you know, rightfully pin him as a serious contender, a legit title threat one day in the heavyweight division, which by, by the way, is probably the UFC's weakest division. So either one with the win here, it could definitely take a big, strong step forward into that kind of upper echelon of heavyweights, I think, and get himself at, at least a more relevant fight after this. So important fight for two, you know, kind of newer heavyweights in the division per se. So with that said, I do think is a little better everywhere. Docus is a big guy. He's strong. He's got some decent striking, decent in the clinch as well, has some power, so you have to respect that. I think Nacimento is a little bit faster. I think he's a little bit cleaner on the feet, more well-known for his ground game. I mean, that's the thing with what you're getting with this heavyweight. I mean, he excels on the ground. He looks for the takedowns, and then he does have a definite advantage over most in the heavyweight division on the ground, for sure. So that's where it is with him. But he doesn't necessarily have to just Beat you on the on the ground he has the ability to beat you on the feet as well so i think that's why this fight's gonna be fireworks i think Nascimento can Docus anywhere this fight takes place, especially the cardio edge goes to him as well. So as this fight progresses and if Docus can't get him out of there early on, I think that Nascimento really turns it up and gets him out of there before the fight hits the scorecard. So for me, I like what I see Nascimento here. It's a kind of a favorite to pass situation. I could be wrong about Docus I do, like I said, I think he's not a bad heavyweight. I just don't like this fight in particular for him. Um, so I'm going to pick Nascimento to win this fight. But again, if you're laying almost three to one on heavyweight action, though, you got to be careful because all it takes is one punch. It doesn't matter matter if you have the better fighter at times we have this it only takes one definitive blow to take your money away so be careful betting heavyweight fights and laying that kind of chalk but i am going to pick nasimento i just simply think he's a better fighter
0: and originally i really did like dowkus here i think uh, you know he does have some things he presents on the feet in terms of his stand-up in terms of uh, the power that he has on the feet he looked pretty good in the the porter fight um, that being said, uh, Nascimento is extremely dangerous on the ground. I mean, he is, uh, I mean, it's game changing what he can do on canvas. Um, and if he can get this fight to the floor, uh, Daukas is in some, in some big trouble. Uh, Daukas is big and strong and he comes in at about the heavyweight limit. So it's not going to be a walk in the park for Nascimento. but, uh, I do think, that while there's danger here that Daucus presents, and he definitely could win by knockout or TKO, um, Nascimento does train at American Top Team, and uh, he is making some serious strides. Uh, I thought that he looked a lot better in his UFC debut than I gave him credit for. And um, while I do think that Daucus has a legitimate chance to knock him out, uh, I'm going to side with Nascimento probably by submission here. Um, although, again, I say be careful with this one because I I was this close to picking Douglas, and I originally was picking him and I changed my mind, but I uh I really think that Doukas could be a live dog. Now, dropping down to the middleweight division, we have Tom Brees, who is eleven and two, taking on KB Lar, L who is eight and 0. Now Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Breeze
1: open 215, Boulard at plus 165, and right now looking over at Circa Sports, we have Breeze minus 255, Boulard at plus 217, so nothing crazy to report, I mean there is two-way action on this fight, we're starting to see a little bit of action come in on Breeze at this point. So we need Boulard as we stand right now. But again, nothing crazy, nothing significant to report here. I I think it's hard to trust Breeze. I mean, we all know prospectability. When he came to the UFC, the hype, everything behind him, training at TriStar, I mean, just he was the future of the welterweight division. And of course, you know, fighting a middleweight or whatnot now as well. I mean, there was a lot to like about Breeze, but I mean, and and he's filling into that frame, and he's strong. And I mean, his physical attributes, along with the technical skill set that this guy has. I mean, there's a lot to like. He's definitely could be championship material, right? He just hasn't lived up to that hype and he hasn't lived up to that potential, I think, overall. And maybe that's a little bit unfair. He's faced decent competition throughout the UFC, his career thus, far, but and he's been a little inconsistent as far as fighting as often as we'd like to see him. But that said, I don't know. There's always something about Breeze to me that it's just not there. He's missing something. And it's just everything's not clicking for a reason. So I think Bular here is in a good spot to come in and get a huge win in your UFC debut. Bular is a very well-rounded fighter. Comes from a decent camp in his own right. And he, his ability to improve again. I mean, the ground game in his wrestling is kind of what he prefers to do. But his stand-up is not bad at all either. So I think this is going to be a really competitive fight. I just don't think he's up to par, and he hasn't faced the level of competition Breeze has thus far, but, I mean, this fight, as far as line goes, I think this should be more of of a competitive fight than it currently indicates right now, so I would not necessarily lay over 2-1 to one on Tom Breeze in this spot, I think Boulard could come in here and prove us all that he's better than we think, even on, you know, pre-fight footage or whatnot, so... This is tough, tough for me to lean Breeze. I'm gonna pick him to win this fight because, like I said, I think Bular's not quite up to level of Breeze at this point, and Breeze really needs a win. I mean, he needs to get back on track, needs to prove to everybody that he still has the abilities of making a you know a UFC title run, at, you know, obviously now at middleweight or whatnot. So, I really believe that there's a lot to like about Breeze, and he needs to get this win. He cannot let a UFC debuting opponent come in here and take this W from him. So, I'm gonna pick Breeze. I just don't have confidence at the betting window and betting a line that's anything over minus 200 ish for him though. So the pick is breeze. Let's see what he can do here.
0: Yeah. Boulard for a guy stepping in on a week's notice. This kid is really talented. Uh, he's young. He's founded with a good ground game with good wrestling. Um, pretty aggressive, solid striking. Uh, his main issue is a, the fact that he is young B he is taking the fight on super short notice a week and C uh he is a bit of a defensive liability especially in the stand up and Brees has some very accurate powerful striking so i think that that could come back and uh punish um uh Boular here um especially if he can't drag this to the floor and kind of take Brees out of his game but Brees comes from a ground game background as well so it's not like uh taking breeze's striking away is suddenly gonna make this a super easy fight for Bular. Um I'm concerned a little bit about the conditioning of Bular taking a fight on a week's notice. Will he be able to go strong for three rounds? Um and again the main thing for me is the defensive stand up. Uh, I think Breeze is going to pick him apart. He had a really good jab. He uh really crisp, snappy jab. Um my main issue with Brees is uh, you know, he's got some issues uh with his mental confidence. Uh sometimes he just doesn't show up. Saw that in his last fight. You know, he looked amazing in his middleweight debut and then he just completely crapped the bed the last time. Uh so I am concerned about which Tom Brees shows up, but if The the Brees shows up that is a capable and well-rounded fighter, and he's fully prepared. He should win relatively easily, but again, you just never quite know with Brees, so I'm totally on Nick's side in terms of don't throw your money on him, but it's okay to pick him here, and that's what I'm going to do. Now... Moving on to the first fight on the preliminary card, or the main card, we have Yusef Salal, who is ten and two, taking on Ilya Tapuria, who is eight and zero. Oh. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one?
1: Zalal open minus 270 to come back on Taporia at plus 190. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is Zalal minus 160 to come back on Taporia at plus 140. So plus 190 down to plus 140 market wide overall. I get it. I think Taporia is definitely the right side. I mean, us at Surf Sports, we, we actually opened a line at minus 165, plus 45. It got bet up a little bit. Now it's coming back down. So there is two-way action on this fight. A lot of sharp opinion on both sides of this as well. I get it. Zalaw has been one of the more popular fighters that's been coming through during the pandemic. I mean, you know, making his UFC debut and rattling off a few wins like he has and looking impressive against solid competition. Um It's been pretty fun to watch him, honestly, because he sh- he's been able to display a little bit of everything. We see his striking on the feet. That's fun to watch. I mean, he's fast. He's precise. Um, we see his ground ability as well. He, wrestle, he He has submission capabilities as well. So there's a lot to like about Zalal. Tapori, on the other hand, though, man, he's a tough matchup. If you're looking at him, I mean, you know, obviously, pre-UFC footage, he is making his official debut here. He's a ground guy. I mean, First and foremost, he's got a little bit of striking you have to respect too. But he knows what people are doing. He likes to get the fight to the ground, and the once on the ground, he's so dominant. I mean, he's he's definitely has an edge over most of his opponents, including Zalow on the ground here. And I think Zalow is going to have trouble keeping this fight upright if he's not able to do that. I think he's in jeopardy of getting tapped and submitted and finished on the ground. Taporia is that good. So I like this spot for Taporia, and I understand the dog money come in, and I think it is a dog or pass situation still, even at this spot at plus 140 or so. The only concern for me is Taporia is stepping in on extremely short notice in this fight, so his conditioning, if he's able to get Zalal down and out in the first round or two then he will probably start to fade and Zalaw could turn up the heat then and it could be some serious trouble if you're betting the dog here in that spot or you know like I said Zalaw you can't count him out early either but I think that's kind of the narrative need afraid of here if you are betting the dog but for me I like what I see I think Taporia is a very capable fighter and I like the stylistic matchup for him against Zalal. I think a lot of people are kind of underestimating obviously there's some betting actually coming in the way I'm saying right now as well so there is some belief to what I am getting here with Taporia having a shot on the ground. So I'm going to pick him to win this fight straight out. I just think he is going to be a little bit too much for Zalal. And I think he gets an impressive UFC debut win here. So the pick for me is Taporia to win.
0: And I understand it. I mean, Taporia is super talented. Uh, honestly, looking at this card, uh, other than Ulan Bekov, I think Taporia has the brightest future of any other newcomer to the UFC on this card. Um, Taporia, has, uh, you know, he's 23 years old. He's undefeated at eight and no and, uh, all of his wins are finishes. So, I mean, the guy is clearly talented and he also has a very good ground game. I mean, seven submissions. So, uh, I mean, this guy's fun to watch. He really is. Um, he's aggressive on the feet. He's aggressive on the ground. Um, and he has a really good ground game. Uh, the problem is that he's facing somebody in his UFC debut, uh, that is really talented. Like, I, uh, I have some concerns here that, uh, Tepuria is not gonna be able to hang with Zalal, uh, consistently. Uh, Zalal has really impressed me so far in his UFC run, uh, winning all of his fights inside the octagon. Granted, they haven't been, you know, the amazing, type of uh, performances that earned him his trip to the octagon where he had that first round flying knee in LFA. Every one of his fights so far in the UFC has been relatively one-sided decisions. Um, You know, he's not destroying people, but this guy is really good. Um, He he has a, he's well-rounded, he has good grappling, he has good striking and he uses distance. Well, um, I think Zalal is gonna sit back and just kinda pick apart Poria a little bit on the feet. Uh, I think, uh, is defensive issues could come into play here. Um, and again, I think this guy has a super bright future, but I think he's coming in a little too hot into the UFC at a little bit too high of a level for his debut in the promotion. Um, the, if he is able to drag this fight to the floor and dominate Zalal, you know, I will, uh tip my cap to him, but I think that uh is gonna keep this upright and outpoint him, so Zalal <laughs> is gonna be my pick. Now moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Tom Aspinall, who is eight and two, taking on Alan Baudot, who is eight and one. Now Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Aspinall minus 350, Badeau plus 250 was the opening line. Right now we're seeing Aspinall minus 580, the comeback on Badeau at plus 450. So steam heading in. Aspinall's away from 350 now to minus 580 or so. I can't blame you here either. Badeau, typically speaking, fights at light heavyweight, taking this fight up on short notice, of course, to take on Aspinall. Very difficult fight. Aspinall is a legit beast at heavyweight. We saw him, I mean, you know, in his UFC debut, you really, I think, can't take that much out of it because of the situation for Aspinall, meaning, I mean, I don't want to disrespect his opponent in his debut against Collier, but I mean, Collier had no business even taking that fight, to be honest with you, or being in that spot. So Aspinall getting rid of Collier there, that's what he should have done. So he kind of did exactly, I mean, he was impressive doing so as well. So he did exactly what he should have done in that spot. So it is what it is. But for that, I mean, Aspinall definitely showed the promise and the capabilities of of pre-fight film before he made his UFC debut. I mean, he's a big boy. He has power. uh, He's got decent fight IQ, it seems. Of course, he's developing his game still, but training with Darren Till and crew, I mean, he's got a good background to make the UFC and and get the job done here. So I really believe that Badeau is going to be just out of his comfort zone here and it's stepping up getting a little bit bullied here by Aspinall on the feet but Badeau is is definitely uh, the type of fighter that you have to respect unorthodox a little bit with the striking and he's capable of landing some good punches obviously he's got a good kicking game and he's got these nasty spinning elbows that you have to be cautious he could throw them out of anywhere so there is some offense from Badeau to be cautious about if you're Aspinall but other than that I mean he should be the bull here and he realistically should be able to fight and I'd be surprised if Badeau is able to pick this the, you know, win up here because Aspinall has, again, not faced, I don't want to say he's faced way better competition, but if you're looking at resumes, Aspinall is even ahead of him in that sort of way too. So I think it is made for Aspinall to get the win here. I understand why public came in. Just have to be careful, especially if you're laying over five to one here, because Badeau does have the kind of finishing capability that all it might take is, like I said, one shot to maybe get Aspinall out of there as well. So respect Badeau's offense, but overall should be Aspinall taking this fight. So the pick is out. Just be careful if you're betting this one as well
0: yeah my main issue here I mean Baudo is decent, but I think he's pretty overrated. Uh, I mean the guy does train out of a good gym, but if you look a closer at some of his performances, um, you know he got dominated uh, by Dalcha, uh Lungublia, or I think that's how you pronounce his name uh, back in EFC um, and uh, in his last fight that him his trip to the UFC, he got choked out. The disqualification was just because his opponent tested positive for, uh, marijuana. So, and they actually not, didn't turn it into a no contest. They just gave him the win instead, which I don't understand at all. So I'm going to go with Aspinall. He's just much better fighter. He's a better striker. He's got a better ground game. And, um, overall, I think, uh, Aspinall you know, also is a natural heavyweight. You know, Baudot is. Primarily a light heavyweight. He's moving up here. So I think this is just a bad spot for, uh, for Baudot. I think Espinal doesn't just win, he wins convincingly. Now, dropping down to the middleweight division, we have Marcus Perez, who is 12 and 3, taking on Draikus Duplessis, who is 14 and 2. Now, Nick, What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
1: Duplessis opens minus 195. Perez plus 55. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Duplessis minus 170. The comeback plus 150 on Perez. So again, another spot where line's kind of tightened up a little bit. And we are seeing two-way action coming into this fight. Man, this is an interesting fight because I think Duplessis is a very interesting, intriguing prospect. I mean, I'm glad to see him making his way over to the UFC. This guy has skill everywhere the fight takes place. I think he's more comfortable and more confident with his takedown game, his wrestling, and his ground game. But on the feet, he's no slouch. He's got good calf kicks, good leg kicks. I mean, he's got power in his left hand as well. So he's not anyone to sleep on on the feet. I think he's technical enough to to get things done there as well, and I think actually he's going to have a striking advantage over Perez here in this spot, and I'm saying that because typically Plessis is, again, usually has more of a ground edge over his opponents, but in this spot I think he's pretty much got a complete edge over Perez, and that's saying a lot because I think Perez is a very solid fighter in all aspects of the game as well. I think his stand-up could definitely be a little bit more effective and need to improve. Um, I think Perez's ground game and his offensive submission skill is where it's at with him. I mean, you have to be very cautious when you're tangling with Perez on the ground. And I think that's my cautious with Duplessis in this spot. I think he will be winning this fight, but if Perez wins a fight, it's going to be by Darce or Anaconda or something like that. It's going to a choke that gets the win for Perez. I don't think he's going to be able to, to beat Duplessis on the scorecards. Um, I think Duplessis is probably going to be able to pretty much control and dictate the pace of this fight in, in most cases. So it's going to be clear enough to, for him to win, but my... Duplessis is he does tend to leave his neck in spots where he shouldn't when he's looking for those takedowns. And if he does that with Perez, it could be lights out. I mean, he could get put to sleep really quick. So it could be a spot where Duplessis is winning this fight up until he's not. I think that's a concern here. And that's why you have to respect Perez in this spot. But with all that being said, I do think Duplessis is the better fighter. And I think I have to kind of lean with him. So if he doesn't make that mistake and get caught up in that choke, he's going to win this fight. So for me, the pick is Duplessis. But the caution again in this spot is Will Prez sub him along the way or not? And if he doesn't, obviously, but he there is a possibility he does. So you gotta respect Prez by submission here in this spot.
0: And I understand it. Uh Deplessis is really talented. Uh the guy coming in uh is a very aggressive fighter. Um he looks for uh Almost all of his wins, all of them actually are by, uh, stoppage with nine, uh, submissions and five, nine out of uh, the 14 wins. Um, he's aggressive in, he's stepping in on two weeks notice. The main thing though, is he ha- is a defensive liability. He really is. Uh, I think, uh, Perez, the better ground game of the two of them. And if, and when this goes to the floor, I see Perez, uh, wrapping him up with a choke, um, De Plessis uh, puts his neck in bad positions um when he shoots in for takedowns. And on the feet, while he is powerful, um, he also is a defensive liability there. There's a lot of holes in that striking. Realistically, I think that he could get punished here. I really do. I think uh De Plessis could get picked apart on the feet, even though Perez isn't a very powerful striker. I think that he's good enough of a striker to uh, take uh, the openings that DePlessis gives him and take advantage of them. So I'm going to side with, uh, Perez. I think, you know, he's a savvy UFC veteran. He's going to look just fine. And, uh, Perez is good enough to not, uh, choke on under the the pressure here. So I'm going to side with Perez. I think he gets the win possibly by submission. Now moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Ben Rothwell, who is thirty eight and twelve, taking on Marcin Tibora, who is nineteen and six. Now Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Spora open minus one fifteen, Rothwell minus one hundred. And right now what we have over at Circus Sports is Rothwell minus 150 to come back on Tabura at plus 130 so line flipped Rothwell was even higher actually we're starting to get some buyback on Taburra at this point now um and basically that's how this fight's going to play out we'll see I think that Rothwell probably is the side here and I'm saying I think because I think there's a lot to like about Taburra in this spot too he overall I think he is the more technical striker I think he throws a, a bit more variety obviously um he's been effective again. And it's good to see him show some life because for a while there, I thought he was on the way out the door, but I mean, picking up a few quality wins like he did recently, I think you have to start respecting him and think that he is back on track and, you know He's here to win the fights, but it's going to be a difficult matchup for him against Rothwell. I think Rothwell has difficult takedown defense, so sometimes Tabura will go, obviously, for the takedown and utilize that over his opponents, but he's probably not going to be able to do that against Rothwell here. Um Rothwell pushes forward. He has a durable chin, obviously. Uh, he's hard to get rid of, so I think Rothwell's just going to be the one kind of stalking Tabura along the way, landing harder punches, maybe even get Tabura out of there, but Tabura could possibly outpoint Rothwell and, and Kind of catch him along the way and make this an interesting type of striking matchup that it could play out to be. So kind of a head scratcher. Like I said, I could understand why some action backing out to Bray here. I riskly think Spike could go either way, but it's hard not to like Rothwell in this spot. And I think the early action, obviously, especially taking minus 105, Rothwell's a dog. You have to go his way because he should be the rightful favorite here. So I get it. I understand it. I respect it. I think Rothwell does win, I'm going to pick him to win this fight, but it is a very interesting matchup here in my opinion because like I said, I could see both guys having their moments along the way, and if it does hit the scorecards, which obviously for heavyweights, we don't really see two and a half rounds a lot, but this fight is set at two and a half rounds over 60 right now, so it has the potential to hit scorecards and go the distance, and if it does, it probably will be a, a pretty competitive one, so I think that's how it plays out. I'm going to lean slightly towards Rothwell here in this spot.
0: Yeah, this is a battle where I feel like Tibora is the more steel striker, but, um, Rothwell is just going to not care. (laughs) Like that just happens typically in Ben Rothwell fights. Uh, he has the better chin. He's the more aggressive fighter. Tibora has the better ground game. I think Tibora has the better striking technique, but it just doesn't matter. Um, Tibora is, uh, the fighter where he's going to be, uh, on his heels here, he's gonna be put in bad spots. Uh, Rothwell's gonna force him against the cage. Rothwell's going to force him to fight on his back foot. Um and I think Rothwell has the much better chance of getting a knockout. Um and I, while Tabora does have a good ground advantage here, I don't see him utilizing it. So, I just think that Rothwell ends up, uh, outworking Tabora and controlling the, the cage. And getting the win. So my pick is going to be Ben Rothwell. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the featherweight division, we have Edson Barbosa, who is 20 and nine, taking on Makwan Amir Khani, who is 16 and four. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? Barboza
1: open minus 180, the comeback on Americani plus 155, and right now over Circus Sports we have Barboza minus 260, the comeback on Americani plus 220. So market wide, actually coming in Barboza's way. Not surprised. I mean, this guy was one of the best lightweights for a long time. I mean, now obviously he's dropping down to 145, looked good. I mean, he made the weight cut okay. He performed well at uh, the controversial loss to Ige, I understand it. Um, but that being said, we weren't sure if he would even make the cut and how he would perform, and he did pretty well. A lot of believe he should have beat E.A. in that spot, so this is going to be interesting, man, because, I mean, Styles make fights, and again, his second fight at 145 pounds against a guy that realistically he should light up on the feet. Amir Khani has a little bit of power, but, I mean, striking doesn't have anything for Barboza. Outside of Barboza having a bit of a suspect chin historically throughout his career, we know that. I mean, he's been clipped, so Amir Khani has enough power. Maybe if he touches that chin, he could do some damage, but outside of that, I mean, it might not even be fair to say, because Barboza in cases has been, when he has been clipped or whatever, it's been by studs and better strikers than Amir Khani, but that being said, that's a possibility, I guess. Um, Outside of that, Barboza should light him up. I mean, Barboza such a the better striker. He's got great takedown defense. Again, historically in lightweight division, one of the best um, takedown defensive um, artists there is. I mean, as far as being able to kind of sprawl, brawl, keep the fight upright, and dictate the tempo and the pace of the fight, Barboza is that guy. But as of late, especially like I said up a weight class he has been getting taken down by these dominant grapplers dominant wrestlers. and I think as he's aging and you know kind of hitting that decline spot he's not in his prime at this point so Amir Khani's getting him at a good time and Amir Khani gets a takedown here, I think he's more than capable of causing Barbosa a lot of problems and possibly winning this fight on the ground. So I think this is a dogger path because it might only take a takedown or two for Amir Khani to get the W here. I mean, he has a very good, aggressive offensive submission game as we know it, and he's capable of going in there and getting the fights to the floor more times than not. So Amir Khani, despite Barbosa's solid takedown defense, if he's able to find the opportunity to get this fight to the ground, he could win it. So that's why you got to respect him here. And I would not lay the chalk on Barboza in this spot. It's just too much of an intriguing matchup. And again, styles make fights. So although Barboza is, I mean, a a level above Amir Khani, again, historically throughout his UFC career, there's no question about that. In this spot, though, this is a problematic spot if he does hit the ground with Amir Khani. So... I wouldn't lay it. I think it's a dog or pass situation here, and Americani, if you're going to bet this fight, probably look for him by submission or maybe inside the distance, more than likely, because if it's his scorecards, Barboza probably wins on the cards. I mean, Americani does tend to slow down a little bit. Um, He does have some gas tank issues, or Barboza knocks him out late in round two, round three, or whatnot as well. So I could see it playing out that way, but I think Americani, you have to respect that ground game and you direct his path to victory here. So do not lay the chalk on Barboza. I don't care if he goes out there and knocks Amir Khani out. This is a very tough spot for him on the ground. So the pick is Barboza for me, but respect Amir Khani's ground game.
0: The main thing here with the Mac when Amir Khani is he needs to win and he needs to win fast um, on the feet. He is outclassed by a landslide. Edson Barboza is one of the best strikers in the UFC, regardless of weight class. And uh, wherever he's fought, he has been an incredible striker and has put on incredible performances. Um, and the longer this fight goes, the more damage Barboza's leg kicks are going to do. So uh, Amir Khani needs to get in deep on a takedown, put Barboza down, and try to finish him fast. Um, Amir Khani has had conditioning issues throughout his career, um, so if Barboza is not put out quickly in the first round. I think that he just wears Amir Khani down with leg kicks and body strikes. Um, and we've seen Amir Khani slow down and get finished late and is ripe for the picking. Um, I can see Amir Khani winning the first round, but unless he finishes Barbosa, I just don't see him winning this fight. Um, I don't see him winning a decision. And uh, a finish is not easy. Barbosa does not have a great chin, but he is pretty good with his defense. Uh, his takedown defense is pretty good and his submission defense is excellent. So if you're going to finish him, you need to probably get a TKO and that's not easy. Uh So I think what happens here most likely is maybe Amir Khani gets a too early, but Barbosa just starts going to work and putting in uh the, the strikes that um, add up later and at some point Barbosa puts Amir Khani out. So that there is an opportunity here for Amir Khani to get a quick finish, but I think it's unlikely. So I'm going to side with Barbosa. I think he TKOs Amir Khani in the second or third round. Now this brings us to the main event of the evening in the Bantamweight division. We have Marlon Moraes, who is 23 6 and one, taking on Corey Sandhagen, who is 12 and two. Now, Nick. Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Marais opened minus 135, the comeback on Sanhagen at plus 115. Right now, over Circus Sports, we have Sanhagen minus 140, the comeback on Marais at plus 120. So line flip, more action coming in Sanhagen's way early on. But we are getting a lot of action back on Marais, a lot of sharp action coming in both ways of this fight as well. Um, Early on, again, I understand the... Early betters coming in at the line on Sayed and the line kind of climbed up there. It was getting a little bit nuts. And then obviously the action back of Morace including, like I said, some respected sharp action coming in his way as well has brought the line back down to reality a little bit at minus one forty plus one twenty. This should be a great f- i mean Morace again talk about fantastic strikers. Morace is such a good striker. Former World Series a fighting champion, of course. I mean, that's kind of where he he kind of made his path and showcased a lot of his skills. As we all know, the diehards have been watching the sport for a while and then coming in, you see just being on a roll. I mean, his loss to Cejudo, unfortunately, recently, I mean, he started off really well in that fight and then just kind of blew himself out. He almost got the finish early and, and then he didn't have enough left in the gas tank. Cejudo turned it up and got the W there. And his fight over Aldo, a lot of people, I believe he lost that fight. I do as well. I think it was close enough to give it to Aldo. But still, I mean he's competing at the highest level. Outside of that, he's he's faced some really good competition and has knocked out some tremendous fighters. If you look at Rivera, that head kick and the follow-up he had again Rivera was phenomenal. The sterling knee was just vicious. I mean that's what he's capable of. So race is a very dangerous, capable fighter on the feet for sure. And then on the ground he does have submission ability. I mean a lot of people because he's such a dynamic and explosive fighter sleep on his ground games more than capable of finishing people on the ground as well. Has decent takedown defense, so he's just a handful to deal with, and he is one of the elite fighters. There's no question about it in the Bantamweight division. I mean, this guy... It's world-class, and he's been, and we all knew coming into the UFC that he would make a run towards that title, and he's right there in contender. Sanhagen, on the other hand, he's had a lot of hype. I mean, talk about impressive. I think, despite him not facing, I think, the quality of competition that race has in his career, I mean, as of late, though, coming into the UFC and being as dominant as he ha- has in most cases, outside of that last against Sterling, again, styles make fights, I personally picked and bet Sterling in that spot over Sanhagen in the last fight because I thought Sterling might have that edge. Of course, you can go back and listen to podcasts or whatnot, but and on the ground. And of course, it played out a lot faster than I thought it would with Sterling being so dominant and hitting the win as quick as he did there. But that being said, again, styles make fights. That's not necessarily Marais' game plan. He's not going to come in here looking to take this fight to the ground as fast as Sterling did. He's going to look to kind of play this fight out in the feet a little bit, um, you know, kind of get settled into the fight and, and just start slang just back and forth with Sanhagen. I mean, this is going to be a fireworks type of fight. Both guys are so comfortable on the feet that they're going to look to throw and, and have an advantage over their opponent. So this is going to be fireworks for sure. So I think, again, this is a different type of matchup. I think it, what we've seen lately and what we've seen from Sanhagen in comparison to Morace, I do think Morace does have a tendency to slow down at times as the fight progresses. So I think early on, Morace is going to be winning this fight. He'll win round one. Maybe into round two, but Sanhagen will start taking over. And that pressure and the pace that he sets, I think he's more accurate. He's just relentless. His overall ability to push the fight and push the pace. And then once your opponent gets tired, Sanhagen has that kind of green light and that killer instinct to just kind of finish him off. So I think Sanhagen has that in him. And I think he's going to have to weather an early storm here. And it might be pretty early on, but I think he will find that groove. He will find that momentum. And he will probably win this fight over Murray. So I'm leaning Sanhagen here. I think... As, again, the fight progresses, I think it's going to be clear that he is kind of the better fighter, but you got to respect Morais; He has that finishing capability for sure, but I think Sanhagen is capable of finishing Morais as well, so I'm expecting this to be a fun fight, again, fireworks written all over it, but I'm leaning Sanhagen. I think he's the better fighter at this stage of their career, and I think, again, sky's the limit for both these guys, but more so for Sanhagen right now. I think he can definitely win this fight and get that shot that he's kind of looking for here. So big fight, important fight for the UFC, Bantamweights for sure, and the winner is going to take a huge step forward. I'm going to pick Sanhagen to get it done here.
0: And I'm going to come in the other way. Uh, Sanhagen is a talented fighter, but I just don't see Marais level. level. Um, the only real thing he has going for him here is he does have some size. Uh, he's about five inches taller, a little longer than Marais, um, and he's a little younger. But um, Marais, technically, just light years ahead of Sanhagen in terms of striking technique. I think the power is there with Morais. I think he mixes it up better on the feet. Uh, the ground game, Morais even has a sneaky ground game with some submissions. I mean, he tapped out uh, a Sun Tau of all people. So, uh, the guy is capable about wherever this fight goes. Um, the only issue I have with Morais is that he can slow down. I mean, you look, the only time he's lost in his last, what, six or seven fights was when he was dominating against Hudo and then he slowed down. Uh, he got tired and Cejudo took over. Uh, so that's my only concern is that it being a five round fight that Moraes starts strong and maybe really lands some good strikes, but can't put Sanhagen away. And then starts to fade and Sanhagen takes over. That's the only thing I'm worried about because if it's going by skill and technique, Marais is there. Um, he has no problem dealing with longer fighters. Uh, you know, Aljamain Sterling is a tall, long fighter, and Moraes just ate his lunch. So uh, I think Moraes is going to have uh, no issues here with the size of Sanhagen. Um, he's going to be able to go right down the middle when Sanhagen is throwing some of more his more looping strikes, and the kicking game of Moraes is going to be devastating here. Um, again, as long as Moraes does not gas, which he could do uh, since he did against Cejudo, if he doesn't gas, I think he wins convincingly and probably finishes Sanhagen along the way. But if he starts to slow down, uh, potentially look for a live betting scenario where maybe moreus almost finishes Sanhagen and starts to show maybe even a little bit of signs of fatigue. That could be an opportunity where you could get Sanhagen plus money live and, uh, and, and, you know, walk away with a good chunk of change. But other than that, in terms of pure skill, I have to side with Marais. I just think that he's, at this point, possibly the best bantamweight weight in the world. So Marais is going to be my pick. So that'll do it for a full event breakdown for UFC Fight Night 5. So that'll do it for a full event breakdown for UFC Fight Island 5. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB Premium on Twitter, because that's where we'll post them first. Uh, you can also check out the free bets section on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.